Timeless Voyager Radio. Self-development radio for the open mind. Interviews with leading edge authors and speakers. Psychic phenomena and the unexplained. UFOs. Extraterrestrial encounters. Government cover-ups. Alternative health care. New technologies. And now, Bruce Stephen Holmes for Timeless Voyager Radio. Hey, this week's show, I'm sure, is going to inter uh, certainly entertain most of you, if not give you something to really think about. Um, you know, I'm sure many of you are very familiar with Carl Sagan. As a matter of fact, he has become an interesting icon here in the United States and certainly other parts of the world. Um, unfortunately, I've always felt a little bit uncomfortable about uh, Carl Sagan's position. And uh, basically, uh, the reason I am that way is because these are the things that Carl Sagan says, and this is what he's known for, especially when it concerns uh, uh, UFOs and extraterrestrials. He says, and I quote, there are no reliable reports that are interesting and no interesting reports that are reliable. <laughs> now, he also goes ahead and says that science uh, had spoken as of 1969, there was nothing worth investigating in the whole phenomena. Well, I have a feeling that uh, Carl Sagan is going to be uh, eating his words very soon, if not already. And uh, not that I have an agenda against Carl Sagan, but frankly, folks, I think the man needs to really start listening and looking. I have in front of me a very, very interesting book that came to me almost, uh, my goodness, probably at least a year ago from my next guest. The book is called Humanity's Extraterrestrial Origins. It's E.T. Influences on Humankind's Biological and Cultural Evolution. I'd like to introduce you to the author, Dr. Arthur David Horn. Dr. Horn, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's really great to have you here, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know how you feel about Carl Sagan, but... Uh, <laughs> I well, think... uh, it's interesting you mentioned. I, I don't know how much I should say here, but I think... Uh... Well, you can say whatever you want, because this show definitely has a, uh, an agenda uh, that is obviously different from his. Well, uh, to me, I've, uh, from some of the statements that, and articles and so forth that... Uh, Dr. Sagan has uh, written lately that he's uh, he's working for uh, he's working with the cover-up, basically. Absolutely, I think that's uh, and if, if he's not working with the cover-up, he's certainly got his own uh, agenda, which is definitely without a doubt, without any merit and certainly without any factual evidence. There's probably, and I've been told this before, there's probably more evidence now that extraterrestrials exist and that UFOs have been here for a long time than there is evidence that there was uh, <laughs> the history of the United States as we know it. Oh, yes, uh, that's true. And, and you're right, the evidence is, well, it's just, got, uh, especially in the last few years, it's become overwhelming. Anybody who wants to look into it, the evidence is, there's, there's thousands of books, there's tapes, there are, uh, you know, there's... Uh, he talks about no reports that are reliable or something like that. That's, uh, that's absurd, and it's been absurd at least since 1947. If not, you know, uh, you know much. You go much more ancient than that, but uh, you know, it, it's it's absurd what he says. I mean, it's just uh, insulting. 
Now, really. there was a, a book that came out, uh, my goodness, now I can't remember exactly when. You can probably tell me. Uh, what was Eric von Donneken's book? It was, I think, Chariots of the uh, Gods. Is that Chariots of the Gods is one of his books. Uh, I, and the year it came out, I don't honestly know, but it was... It must have been... Well, it was certainly back there in the 70s, I think. Oh, yeah. At least that, at least that far out. Yeah. Well, anyway, here's uh, Eric Von Donneken wrote a very, very interesting uh, piece here about your book. And he says, thousands of years ago, our ancestors were technologically underdeveloped. This is an interesting point. He says, they could not understand space travel or genetic engineering. Well, that, of course, is according uh, to our, our, our history anyway. Then he says... Alien space travelers descended from the clouds with smoke, fire, and noise. Of course, that's not in our history, uh, or at least it's not in our history the way we read it. No. Uh, he says they were heavenly teachers of the legends, and of course, uh, this is what separates him and, of course, Zechariah Sitchin and a lot of the other writers from the uh, historians as we know it. Uh, our ancestors did not grasp the change. They did not really know what this was. And so the space travelers became gods in the mythologies and transmissions of a budding mankind. A misunderstanding in the choice of words. Once again, that is, of course, one of the things that Zechariah Sitchin has said many times, namely that the Sumerian tablets should be taken literally and not mythologically. Yeah. Uh, he goes on to say, those space travelers changed something on good old planet Earth. <laughs> And then he says that you, Dr. Arthur Horn, will explain to the listeners in the book. And he says that you are able to explain who they are. And we're talking about those uh, ancestors that came and descended from the clouds and what they did. Let's talk then a little bit about these ancestors. First, what got you started on this particular agenda, Dr. Horn? Okay, let me just say about Von Danica, I can explain a lot, but uh, exactly, you know, I, there, I think he overstates it a little bit, uh, uh, Mr. Von Danica. What got me started on this was, uh, well, it was, it's a sort of a long story. I'll try not to get uh, bore, the, bore your listeners too much, but this, but uh, basically, I, I was a Darwinist for, uh, I was a physical anthropologist, a biological anthropologist uh, for more than 14 years, uh, mostly at Colorado State University in Fort Collins. And, of course, I believe the materialistic uh, scientific uh, view of uh, the origin of humans. And, uh, well, I got married uh, uh, to my wife, uh, Lynette, and she had a spiritual point of view. And so that got me, uh, uh, I, I originally thought, well, I'll straighten her out, you know, in a few months or weeks, in, but it turns out that she sort of straightened me out. I had a few experiences that convinced me that at least there was uh, something else out there. And that uh, got me uh, disenchanted with Darwinism per se, or the uh, anthropologist view, and I, I resigned my tenured position in 1990. I was still interested in human origins. I always have been through, uh, uh, for, throughout my adult life, and so I started looking into I, I wanted to figure out how uh, some non-material aspects uh, could correspond with our physical evolution. And I started, uh, I ran into, uh, well, I ran into uh, books by Zachariah Sitchin and also William Bramley, The Gods of Eden. On the same day, really, I walked into a bookstore and it was almost as if, uh, you know, these books uh, jumped off the shelf at me. And I, uh, I 
I read them and I got very interested in this hypothesis. Now you tell yeah. you tell the kind of the same basic story, and not to take any credit from you, but you know you tell the same story that almost all researchers start out with, namely that they really didn't have any particular agenda, and if anything, most researchers who are now on the quote unquote UFO ET side are people who started out just like you, namely to disprove it. Uh, that's right. That, that's uh, that's right. Uh, that, you're right. Uh, there are several uh, investigators, uh, like William Bramley. Uh, he he wanted to investigate why humans are still fighting wars, why we're still bashing each other over the head over you know trivial, relatively trivial matters. And they, he he stumbled onto this extraterrestrial hypothesis as well. And like you say, there are many others as well. Uh, specifically, I was uh, I, I'm very aware of the fossil evidence of uh, human evolution. And uh, we've always been bothered, uh, many of us uh, anthropologists, physical anthropologists, are bothered by um, the transition from Homo erectus to modern Homo sapiens through what we call, uh, through uh, a st an evolutionary stage, we usually call archaic Homo sapiens, which includes Neanderthal men and several other specimens. And uh, there's such a tremendous difference between modern humans and and say Neanderthal man and what we call Homo erectus, uh, uh, physical and uh, cultural difference between those uh, forms and and uh, we've always been somewhat bothered by it and uh, and Sitchin and uh, uh, Sitchin's um, uh, interpretation of the Mesopotamian tablets and uh, indicating that uh, we were created as a slave species basically about thousand less than 300,000 years ago, and that's right about the same time that uh, that archaic Homo sapiens began to show up on the fossil record. Yeah, let me just uh, briefly tell our listeners basically what, what, uh, what Sitchin decided, or at least what he has uh, translated, basically states that uh, while we kind of think of the human being as having been created for some uh, angelic or very special godly purpose, uh, according to the tablets, uh, basically we were just made to uh, mine gold. That's right. <laughs> and uh, we fit real well. We were small enough. Uh, we, we think of ourselves as large, but I guess according to some of the other species, uh, we're not that big. And uh, we're made a little bit smaller so we could be controlled. And uh, basically, there we have it. And uh, I might also add uh, other evidence indicates, uh, for example, the Mayan, the ancient Mayan uh, legends and uh, origin stories indicate that... Uh, they they didn't want to make us too smart. They wanted to make us rather stupid so that we could be uh, continue to be controlled and so forth. Um, uh, it could continue to be good slaves without uh, rebelling, uh, for example. Okay, so now uh, according to your work, okay, who was it who actually did all this work? Well, uh, an extraterrestrial. Uh, I think more than one. Uh, I think several extraterrestrial species may have been on genetic manipulations uh, in ancient history. All right, let's talk about uh, a few of them. Which, uh, Where do they come from and what did they do? Well, now that, uh, I think uh, that there is a group from, um, the, the evidence indicates that there is a group from Sirius, uh, the, uh, the star uh, planetary system in the, in the, uh, near the, the star Sirius, at least one, uh, and uh, some of the others, uh, I'm just not so sure about exactly where they came from, but uh, some of the evidence indicates that they came from, uh, well, all over. There was uh, several species that may have come down, and uh, or the Orion...
constellation is often mentioned. Uh, also, Draco, the uh, a planet near Draco, the star Draco. Um, so once again, we're back talking about the Orions, the uh, the Alpha Draconans, I guess. Yeah. The Syrians, uh, and how about the guys from Nibiru? <laughs> well, uh, I think that the Syrians. It's my opinion, and this is you know I'm, uh, this is where one of the places I differ from Sitchin. Uh, I think that uh, Nibiru was a was an artificial or is an artificial uh, set up by the Syrian by a, a Syrian faction. So I think they were ultimately from Syria. But yes. Uh, there was some uh, individual. There was uh, there were ETs from Nibiru as well. So you're you're a lot of people now are are talking about uh, Nibiru as being a uh, uh, an engineered uh, thing that looks like a planet but really isn't. Matter of fact, a lot of people say that Nibiru is actually traveling behind Hale-Bopp right now. Yes, I've heard that too, and I've uh, seen some information, and I I, uh, I don't know, but it certainly looks like it might be. It's a, it's a strange looking. And people should realize how big this thing is too. It's four to five times the size of our planet. So whoever made this thing, if it was made, <laughs> certainly knows more than we do. Oh yes, oh yes. Uh, I, th I think that's uh, that's uh, that, that goes without saying. <laughs> All right. Now you obviously step on a lot of uh, toes as far as religious people are concerned with this book, don't you? Yes, I do. I, I believe that. Uh, uh, I, I have a, a spiritual belief. I believe that that uh, that the human kinds that our destiny is to evolve spiritually. But that's different from the standard religions. I think that our religions have been deliberately um, twisted, shall we say, uh, to mislead us, to keep us from uh, true spiritual information, to keep us from evolving spiritually. Yes, I do. I, I'm afraid I do step on some toes. But uh, I think someone has. You know, there's. I'm not the only one that some of us are going to have to do it eventually if, if we're ever going ever going to um, to evolve as a species. All right, so now I guess the issue then mostly that is brought up in your book and many of the others is that everyone certainly agrees at this point that there's a missing link. In other words, what most uh, anthropologists are looking for, or at least what I understand, is they are looking for the difference, the the, uh, the Homo sapien or that that uh, creature that supposedly was the transition point between the Neanderthal man and the human that we know of now, and they've never found it. And what your book is basically saying is that the reason they never found it is because there was no link. That namely the uh, point is that that guy, that Neanderthal person, was gen genetically trans uh, let's say transferred or, or, or recreated or transmutated into what we are now. That's, that's, that's correct. And I might also add that uh, I, I know this from experience. The anthropologists don't really aren't too worried about this missing link. Yes, there was a tremendous jump uh, from uh, Neanderthal man to uh, modern man, but you know it's not seen as that big of a problem or anything. At least I didn't. That's the way I taught. I wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a too big a deal. But it, uh, in fact, it uh, it certainly would. Uh, it's it's a way of sort of glossing over the uh, uh, um, an obvious problem. Uh, but uh, but believe me, we anthropologists. I I know. I was in this belief system for years. Uh, it didn't seem like a big problem to me, and I never I didn't uh, present it to my students. Uh, 
uh, as a big problem uh, too much at all. But in fact, it is. Uh, there is. Yeah, in hindsight, in hindsight, isn't it kind of hard to now look at that and say, "My goodness, how could I have I gone all those years glossing over perhaps the most important transition yes, in the history I, oh, of mankind?" Oh, yes, I. Uh, <laughs> oh, I hope I'm forgiven <laughs> someday. But yes, but, but I was, you know, I was. Uh, I think, like most of us, we were. We get into a paradigm, or we get into. Uh, uh, what is it, politically correct in the scientific world, and um, and you, you just get to the point where you don't even question it, you don't even think about it too, too much. And well, that's what, certainly the way I was, and I and I think that's the way that a lot of my former colleagues are, are still are as well. Uh, and um, it's not something that's deliberate. I wasn't deliberately trying to. I I, I, th I think that uh, Darwinism in general and uh, that the story. The scientific story of uh, human evolution is uh, is part of the cover-up. Uh, today, of course, I didn't uh, think uh, didn't have any clue of this in, uh, years ago. Of course, uh, and so I, even though I was part of the cover-up, I, I believe I was part of the cover-up. Uh, it wasn't deliberate. It wasn't because I hey I'm going to really pull one over on these people. You know, nothing like that. Now that. That's a good point. That's a very very good point because. You know, you're, you're saying something that, that I think that uh, everyone needs to hear, and that is sometimes when you look at the cover-up, you think of it as this giant conspiracy that has been put together to, to trick us all and to hide information, and yet you're suggesting, which I like, that you were, in, you were part of the cover-up without even knowing, just because what you basically did was, and I hate to use the word blindly, but you were following the pathway that has been prescribed by those who were before you without ever looking at this information. Uh, that's that's right, Bruce. Uh, let me just say that I uh, I think that the first of all this this cover up g goes way back. It doesn't just start in 1947 uh, in the United States and stuff like that. It goes way back to, uh, to ancient times, at least uh, to uh, well, I'm not sure exactly when it uh, started. And it's very and I might also say that it's extremely clever. I mean, it's it's uh, these ETs. Uh, of course, are are much more intelligent than we are. They're not developed uh, emotionally, I don't think, or spiritually the, as well as we are. But they're much more intelligent. And it's just uh, the more I I learn about this, uh, the more I'm amazed to say, wow, these guys are really here. Whoever they are, uh, are really uh, really clever, really uh, smart. And yes, they have people working uh, like me, and. Um, uh, several others who don't even know they're working for the covered, and we're and uh, we're financing the cover up, and and I could go on and on. It's just amazing. Uh, uh, let me just say that again uh, that I believe that uh, our whole worldview, our origins, uh, the whole worldview is uh, completely uh, through this cover up is, is that we are presented is completely. What shall I say? Uh, well, just it's completely upside down. The world is not even remotely like uh, like uh, we believe it is, and uh, the universe and so forth. And that, in fact, uh, it's uh, it's it's not uh, not even close. And and our origins uh, are it's just uh, our beginnings are just uh, one part of the cover up. Dr. Horn, let's talk about the Anunnaki and humankind and the Great Deluge. We'll try to do that as quickly as we can. <laughs> Okay, uh, the evidence uh, from the uh, from the Mesopotamian uh, tablets uh, indicates that uh, at one point, uh, just before a world catastrophe was about to happen, 
the uh, the Anunnaki, especially the the leader, I think he, was, he would be called the administrative leader of uh, the Anunnaki group uh, on Earth. Uh, Enlil was his name. Uh, wanted to get rid of uh, humans. They they they. The reasons for this are not altogether clear, but basically he just uh, didn't uh, he didn't uh, didn't like them. Uh, we made too much noise. We we drank too much. We fornicated. I, uh, humans. Uh, the, the 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 reasons are not like I say not clear, and so he made a pact. Uh, the Anunnaki made a pact not to tell humans about this impending disaster, which would result in a, a worldwide flood. Uh, apparently a comet, uh, perhaps uh, some heavenly body. Maybe it was Nibiru itself, and and maybe this disaster was deliberate. I I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, but anyway, it was co- coming close to the Earth. It's going to cause the who knows what's going to the ice caps to uh, slide off. To anyway, uh, the a worldwide flood would uh, result. And so the Anunnaki made a pact amongst themselves not to tell any humans about it, so that we humans would all be destroyed, we'd all be uh, eliminated. But uh, one of the uh, gods uh, was a little bit more compassionate than the others. Uh, and let's, I, call let's, them, uh, I, I yeah. call them gods with a small g. Right, I was going to say that right away. People should understand that when we use the word gods, we're using the word gods according to the mythology. I don't want people to start calling me about God now. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and his name was Enki, uh, called Enki in the Sumerian uh, tablets. Uh, he... Um, he he is the one who was their, he was their chief engineer and he's the one who originally he and uh, and, and uh, a colleague uh, originally engineered humans and he uh, he he liked humans uh, for the most part and uh, he um, he told well it's very it's very unusual how he, he got the word across to one of his followers one of his uh, chief followers that hey something was going to happen you better go build a boat. And put your family in it. And put those who are, uh, helped you build the boat. And now this navigate. is a remotely familiar story, isn't it? Yes, it's very familiar, and this is—it's uh, been known since uh, among scholars that uh, these stories about the floods and, and Noah and the Ark uh, were were originally uh, derived from uh, the Mesopotamia, much more ancient uh, Mesopotamian uh, stories. So. Uh, the I'll just call him the Sumerian Noah. Why don't we just call him Noah? Okay, well, no, because I can't really pronounce the, what the Sumerian name. Yeah, let's call him Noah for the sake the, of argument. Noah, he, he told Noah to build a boat. So Noah d- did build a boat and uh, did manage to save himself, and he ended up on Mount Salvation. That's what the, that's what the Sumerians called what we call now uh, Mount Arat in Turkey, in southern Turkey. And uh, meanwhile, the Anunnaki, when the disaster was about to occur, uh, they took off in space shuttles, uh, and they circled the Earth while uh, supposedly all of humankind uh, drowned below them. And so they were in space shuttles circling the Earth while this all happened. And uh, they uh, lost, uh, they were, uh, they, I guess they were in cramped quarters, and they ran out of some of their favorite foods. Uh, for example, they ran out of beer. Uh, that's actually mentioned in the tablets. And... Uh, and uh, some, you know, a lot of meat, I guess, they, that they preferred, uh, they ran out of. And so uh, when Noah uh, landed on Mount Arad, he, uh, he had some domestic animals. He just took a few, according to the uh, Sumerian story, 
just took a few of uh, uh, domestic, a few cows, pigs, and so forth. Not every animal on Earth. Uh, and so when he did land on Mount Ararat, he uh, immediately su- uh, gave a sacrifice uh, to the gods uh, for saving him or for helping him uh, save himself. And um, so they, the um, the Anunnaki uh, immediately went down and uh, and uh, ate the sacrifice. They were very grateful. I guess it had been a long time since they'd had a good piece of meat or something like that. And um, meanwhile, when Enlil found out about this, uh, found out that there were still some humans that actually survived, uh, he was very furious and he was he wanted to know who broke the oath and all this. But Enki. Uh, who was his half-brother, by the way, uh, Anke finally convinced him that, hey, in order to rebuild uh, this uh, civilization that they had had before uh, the flood, uh, they would need uh, some humans. And so finally Enlil said, okay, well, let's let humans um, um, uh, flourish in that in that case. And, uh, and at that same time, they... Uh, decided to uh, grant humans uh, the ability to farm, uh, teach them how to farm, and grant them uh, genetically engineered plants and animals, uh, domestic plant, what uh, archaeologists call domesticated plants and animals. Uh, they were the, uh, and teach them how to farm, like I say. And uh, so, animal so that was the story. That's briefly, yeah. very, that's briefly the story. All right. Now, uh, this is this, of course, is this is. I guess I need to start this with my listeners because people need to hear this. This isn't something that you just recently made up or was made up in the last uh, few hundred years. This information actually comes from tablets that predate even the Bible itself, don't they? That's right. Uh, they go back. Uh, they go back. Uh, some of the tablets go back about uh, to 3,000 BC or so. That's about 5,000 years ago. Some of them are a little bit younger, about 500 years younger than that maybe 2,500 B.C. But yes, these were, the tablets, are, uh, of course, were buried in, um, underneath the remains of uh, Mesopotamian civilizations for uh, centuries. And uh, archaeologists just began to, uh, began to find out about the Mesopotamia and Sumer. Sumer was the first civilization that we know of. Uh, this all occurred, by the way, in southern Iraq, in the area of southern Iraq. Yeah, these tablets are, like you say, centuries, years old, and we just discovered them. The archaeologists just discovered them uh, last century, uh, 19th century. What do these extraterrestrials look like, and and do they look like us? Well, uh, of course, there are many reports of different kinds of extraterrestrials today, exactly what they look like in those days. uh, Not actually sure. Uh, Of course, we have... uh, Pictographs. The Sumerians, the Mesopotamians, uh, gave us pictographs, and they look uh, in the pictographs. They look quite a bit like humans. Uh, uh, they usually have a, uh, a headdress, a horn headdress on on their head, and but otherwise they look quite a bit like humans. The reports we have for, of extraterrestrials today, which come from people who work for the secret government, uh, abductees, and so forth, uh, have all sorts of uh, descriptions. Uh, some of them look ver- like uh, very human-like, uh, like us, pretty much. Maybe a little bit taller, a little bit blonder, or something like that. And some of them, uh, of course, uh, you know, we have the reports of these uh, gray characters, uh, 
low grades, and we have reptoids, and we have uh, insectoids, and uh, gosh, it just goes on and on. And I, I just uh, uh, exactly what uh, was going on in ancient times, we're not sure, but there are reports, uh, some indications that uh, there were at least that, uh, uh, as many species of extraterrestrials on Earth uh, in, in ancient times as there are today. A lot of people, I guess, have uh, a misconception about the greys, or at least uh, they're not really sure what the greys are about. What is your spin <laughs> on the greys? Well, um, the greys, I believe, um, are basically a, a negatively oriented uh, species of ET. That's not to say that they're all bad, uh, uh, just like all humans are not all bad and are all good or anything. But uh, for the most part, they uh, they seem to uh, want. Uh, they seem to be. Uh, well, they don't have our best interests in mind. Put it that way. Uh, that is our species uh, of our species, and they uh, for. One thing, uh, oh, there's a lot uh, we could talk about them uh, that have been researched by other researchers. Uh, uh, basically, they um, they uh, they mutilate cattle. That's one of the things they do because they live off the glandular. Some of them live off the glandular uh, uh, materials that they derive from cattle in the blood and so forth. And uh, they are conducting, apparently conducting uh, a... Um, a, uh, a, a genetic program whereby they uh, combine their genes with ours uh, to create a hybrid species. Uh, f and uh, also another a group of the... By, there are several different types of greys, by the way. Uh, one group, uh, or several groups, uh, uh, want to, are basically uh, behind... Well, I think the extraterrestrials in general, I don't know whether it's the greys per se, or maybe it's the reptoids, uh, the lizards, as you say, uh, are, are basically behind everything that we do in in the world, I believe. Uh, for in, They're behind the economic system. They're trying to, well, they're uh, trying to, basically trying to conquer the world uh, subvertly first, uh, and then, uh, then they would have uh, this world as part of their galactic federation, uh, which is called the Orion Federation or something like that. I'm, I'm really not uh, an expert on this particular thing, but I don't have a lot of good uh, opinions or feelings about the Greys or the, or just about any of the um, extraterrestrials that are living on the Earth at the present time. And by the way, they live in underground bases. The evidence indicates that in ancient times, uh, the extraterrestrials interacted more or less openly with humans, to a certain degree anyway. And then about, it must have happened around, uh, somewhere around 2000 B.C., might have been a little bit later, there was a, there was a war and uh, some of the more negatively oriented uh, extraterrestrials got to have been sort of uh, subvertly, uh, covertly, uh, manipulating human societies and uh, ever since. Now, of course, we, we hear on a regular basis that, uh, that our government, along with some of the others, have actually made uh, uh, serious uh, agreements uh, in exchange for uh, weaponry and, and some of the high technological uh, 
uh, information that we have on, on time travel and so on and so forth. Uh, do you uh, agree with that? Yes, I believe that uh, pri uh, primarily because uh, uh, it, it helps to explain the historical facts that we know of. Uh, for example, this tremendous uh, cover-up that we are witnessing uh, um, uh, and, uh, and many other facts. And I believe that uh, that extraterrestrials uh, have been working with uh, a small group of humans throughout uh, history, uh, and, and that in, uh, up until the present time, uh, and have been in pretty much in control of most of the major governments throughout history. Uh, and this, of course, includes um, the United States government today. Historically, uh, historically, in our in our in our land and our our world of technology, uh, there has been just as much of a missing link between tubes and transistors uh, as there is between the Neanderthal and uh, the human. And I think a lot of people need to look at that because out of nowhere, it seems that the transistor came. And then there are those who believe that the transistor and the integrated circuit was something that was given to us. Uh, that's uh, that's possibly true. I, I, uh, yes, I, I I wouldn't be surprised myself. I don't really know for sure, of course, but okay, that's let's... quite quite possible. And I think a lot of our the so-called stealth technology that our military has today came from uh, came from them ultimately. All right, now we're going to do it. Uh, uh, <laughs> let's talk about in chapter 16 in your book. You talk about Jehovah and the ancient Hebrews. <laughs> You knew I was going to do this, right? Oh, I didn't know that you were going to, but uh, I, I don't mind talking about it too much. Um, okay, now there are there are those. Of course, we have we have a lot of Christian groups. Uh, certainly, uh, Christianity in its in its uh, its form as we know it is based on the concept that Jehovah is the God of the universe. The, uh, you're right, and of course the the Hebrew, the Jews themselves. Uh, 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 Jehovah is considered the, the God, the only God, and I think that's a distortion, basically. The evidence indicated by his, his behavior is well documented in the, in the uh, chapters in the, in the Old Testament just after uh, Genesis, Exodus, and Deuteronomy, and I uh, can't remember them all uh, off the top of my head. Well, Leviticus uh, is one. <laughs> Leviticus is one, I'm right, and... Um, uh, he was, uh, I think he was a rogue, uh, a rogue uh, E.T., and I think he was uh, working, he had control over the ancient Hebrews, and he was trying to get control, I don't know exactly what he was trying to do, but he was apparently fighting with a, another, uh, well, it could have been fighting with another extraterrestrial entity known as B-A-A-L, uh, do you know how to ball? Uh, sure, ball. use the say ball. That's fine. Uh, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but uh, I think uh, certainly that was uh, one, might have been one of his uh, motivations. So yes, I don't um, I don't have a high opinion of Jehovah or uh, Yahweh as it's certainly known, and I I it's, I, I don't like to uh, to talk about this too much because I don't like us. Uh, you know, if if someone uh, a devout Christian hears this for the first time, of course they're going to be uh, outraged, but I would just suggest, uh, you know, please look into it uh, a little more than that, because well, of course. that's the way I sort of uh, feel about right. the whole and, thing. And, and I, I brought it up for, for uh, not just to, to uh, <laughs> cause controversy here, 
but I, I brought it up because uh, many times uh, this is one of the one of the main uh, uh, issues that we come up with when uh, when certain uh, uh, people who believe this information uh, argue about UFOs and Satan and, and so on and so forth, and we have to go right back to this point. I mean. Uh, if uh, if uh, Jehovah's the God of the universe, fine, that's one thing. Uh, but there are others who, who entertain this concept now more and more historically are looking at this possibility. And so right. that's, that is one of the reasons why I brought it up. And, there, and there's a lot of information that suggests Jehovah as a uh, as a uh, an ET, and certainly uh, not only that, but more more often than that, as a uh, rogue ET, one that was out there trying to gather a tremendous group of people together, and evidently he's doing pretty well. Yeah, apparently, uh, that's, uh, uh, Evans Winnick, I think that, uh, Bruce, I think we're coming to a period of history uh, where uh, we humans are, are going to uh, wake up to uh, what has been going on, to the fact that we've been um, uh, pretty much uh, manipulated and controlled by these other entities who, who've remained completely hidden. I mean, you, what, most people in, in America today don't even believe in them. So, uh, you know, and you go back in history, the the percentages are much higher. But I think we're coming to a period of time when uh, our whole philosophy of the universe, uh, spiritual information, is, is going to be. Uh, uh, well, it's going to be—it's going to move up to a higher level, I, I believe. I believe we're in really exciting times uh, these days. So yes, I don't mind. Uh, I, I don't like to insult people or step on their toes and so much, but it's time. I think that our our toes are are stepped on or something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And this show to, is to wake up. It's time to wake up. Yeah. That's the way I put it. Here's the show that steps on toes. We're going to take this call, find out where it leads us. So. Uh, Okay, Rick, welcome to the show. What's up? Dr. Horn, I was wondering what the motivation is for, <clears throat> for the uh, cover-up. Why uh, is there a cover-up? The, the motivation is uh, so that they continue to, uh, they can continue, the, the ETs can continue to manipulate and control us uh, in, in various ways. And the, the best way to do that, apparently, is uh, by not, uh, by, uh, by convincing people that they don't even exist, that there's nothing out there, that uh, all that everybody who does believe that exists are are uh, wackos. Why does, it, why does that give them more control? Well, uh, they can um, they can uh, secretly uh, manipulate various uh, aspects of our lives. Uh, for example, our economic structure, which uh, is uh, is uh, coming down about. Um, they can. Uh, they believe, but uh, they're. I believe that they're currently working uh, this whole economic structure. I believe they're behind the whole economic structure, the Federal Reserve, for example, and so forth. They're trying to break all we humans, uh, most of we humans, down to, to where we have uh, little money and little power uh, to work with them. That's just one example. Another. Oh, there's several others. Uh, well, uh, they want to carry on with cattle mutilations, for example, another example. Uh, but um, Of course, we, 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 we uh, mutilate, uh, mutilate the cattle ourselves. That's true, too. Uh, <laughs> what makes uh, us any different from them? Well, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a very good point, Bruce. Uh, uh, we are, uh, we, we look at the way we treat uh, uh, an inferior species like cattle. So why should we get so upset uh, if uh, superior species are 
manipulating us in, in various ways. Uh, that's that's sort of the way I feel about it. Yeah, but ultimately, what what are they system. deriving? I mean, if say for example, if they're if they're evolved creatures, etc., they have technologies that are significantly uh, further than ours. So why why don't they introduce some of these um, into our culture uh, for for other more higher power? Well, you're, it's because they are more highly evolved than us in, in many ways. Uh, more, certainly more technologically evolved doesn't mean they uh, have uh, any uh, any higher uh, yeah. Let's consciousness let's evolution, let's make uh, that yeah. Let's make that statement evolution. Let's make that statement really clear too, uh, Rick and and, and uh, Dr. Horn. That is a very important point, and I'd like people to get this thing straight. If they get nothing else straight from today's show, let's make sure they understand that just because these extraterrestrials are technologically advanced, we know for a fact, or at least we know according to what we know about them, they are nowhere near as developed spiritually as we are. That's right. And we make the general assumption, at least I always did, that if they're that they're more te more advanced than we are. They've got to be gooder than we are. They've got to be better than we are. But uh, I, apparently that's not, not the yeah, but, case. Uh, but you're saying also that they're introducing some of these spiritual uh, leaders. Uh, so what does that what does that mean? The, then? the spiritual leaders I didn't understand. Spiritual that. leaders of the past, so to speak, were uh, actually. If I understood no. you correctly. They were yeah. they were connected. To, they were ETs or. Well, I, did, I don't uh, think that uh, we, you were talking about Yahweh. Or, uh, I don't think that he was a particular spiritual leader. What they do do is when when a true spiritual leader does come along, say like Buddha, maybe, uh, I believe that's one example, and uh, Jesus would be, uh, be another, and there are several others, I think. What they do do is uh, they take their teachings and twist them and uh, make them... Uh, well, and, uh, make them falsify them in various ways that will keep us from spiritually. Uh, so basically, you're saying that the ETs in general, if I understand this correctly, are not particularly interested in, in creating a, a state of social order. Uh, the, the ETs that are here on Earth are not. Right. There are, I do believe there are ETs out there that are, but I think they lost the war. I think there's been a this this uh, planet Earth has been. Uh, has been fought. There's a there's a war going in, on in the galaxy, and and the Earth is just part of it. I believe that uh, f at least for um, for the past uh, f several uh, few, uh, several centuries, uh, that the the dark forces, let me call them that, the dark forces have gotten control of the Earth, and and um, the the light forces are. I think they're trying to help us as much as they ca as they can, but there's a there's some limitation to what they can do at the present time. Rick, I want to thank you for your call. Thanks so much, but we got to let you go. I want to I'll try to get some other people in, uh, but thanks for listening to the show. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, you know, Rick brought up some great, great issues here, and, I, and I, I was going to go in a different direction, but I mean, as long as we're starting to, to move towards the, the uh, end of time as far as the show's concerned, uh, I'd like to definitely talk about this. First of all, let's make sure people understand the difference between the ET nation, as it were, namely the fact that there are billions and billions of extraterrestrials out there, uh, which are probably, and I've been told, maybe as many as maybe 95% positive, highly spiritual beings, very, very good. And a very small percentage, almost kind of like pirates or renegades, 
which are basically almost all here on our planet, or at least a large number of them. So let's not get a distorted view of extraterrestrials. The point is that, the, that unfortunately right now, from my understanding, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the planet, our planet, seems to be riddled with these negatives. So they're yeah, not. An ex I, I, yeah, go ahead. So I've, uh, I, I agree with you 100 uh, percent there, Bruce. What you just said—that's uh, that's, that's my understanding of the situation right now. So I guess a, a Rick's question, which was very good, was, <clears throat> you know, if if they're so you know evolved and so high, why are they screwing everything up? The answer—that's right. That's the answer right. is I, that. I, that's a good question. That's a. <laughs> one we all should be should ponder if we haven't before uh, all right let's take one more call uh is it wayne welcome to the show yes how are you doing okay yes uh my question for dr arthur do you know anything about pyramids on mars and sphinxes and things of that nature i just what i've read uh from hoagland uh, and others other authors as well yes but i don't have i don't uh, have any special information but i knew a little bit about it, just what i've read yes I, I just don't know. I, I think, uh, let me just say this. I, it's some information, and I don't know, I haven't been able to check this. Some information uh, indicates that uh, some of the ETs uh, had a civilization, or still have a civilization on Mars, and uh, that the pyramids and the face on Mars, I don't know whether that comes from the Greys or from another uh, ET race that was there before that it was driven off or, or what. Uh, uh, but uh, the, uh, my information is that the Greys and, and other and the reptoids did have a, uh, have a colony there, at least they maybe call it a colony. And that's why we're having so much trouble, uh, one of the reasons we're having so much trouble exploring this exploring Mars because uh, every space probe we send up there something seems to go wrong with it. They don't want they don't want uh, they don't want anybody up there. They don't want uh, themselves known up there. That's my that's at least a possible scenario. Well, I, I think that's a pretty good one too. Uh, I got to let you go. Thanks for your call though. I appreciate it. Dr. Horn, you've got about uh, 30 seconds what would you like to say to the listeners? I just like to encourage uh, all your listeners to uh, do, uh, like I encourage all my audiences in my in my talks and so forth to do your own research. You don't have to take my word for it. Don't take my word. Don't take anybody's word on any of these things because I I realize how amazing, how fantastic they are. But the the information is out there if you look into it yourself. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you so much. The rest of you have a good week. 